You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Do class number three. All right, Lord God, thanks for your goodness, your loving kindness. Thanks for this day. Thank you so much for Jesus and the promise, um, the promise of life with you, both in this life and the life to come. And uh, I pray that this time will be edifying. I pray that uh, it would set our minds and our hearts on the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so we are in class number three on this course called Heaven Consciousness. And um, to just do a quick two-minute recap, um, so the gradient here, this term Heaven Consciousness, we talk about heaven, heaven being information about heaven, heavenly mindedness, which we'll talk about today, being a spiritual discipline whereby we deliberately think about eternity, we think about heaven uh, in a manner that gives us, that sanctifies us, that comforts us, that gives us perspective. And then heaven consciousness is kind of this, this, coin, this term that I've coined, that is when heaven is so much a part of your daily perspective that it just kind of factors into the way that you live, the way that you respond, um, the, the way that you contextualize things. You think about things within the context of eternity. So for me, um, I, I, I've, I've been kind of uh, thinking about this, studying about this, working on this for about, really for about six years, seven years, because so my oldest child passed away in 2013. And so, um, so for me, this, this uh, heightened sense of heaven, like heavenly mindedness, came having a child who lives with the Lord. And so, um, so in that, I found a friend in Paul. Because when you read Paul's letters, Paul is integrating heaven into everything. It's just so organic. And I never really saw that until I was reading his letters in the year after my son died. And I just got out a highlighter and I started to highlight every reference to heaven. And it was like, if you look through that Bible, you'll see it's just, it's not like, oh, here's a little section about heaven. It's, it just is everywhere in Paul's thinking. And so um, with that being said, um, as a product of my son's death, one of the blessings the Lord has given me is this greater, greater eternal mindset. That's not something that I've like worked for or tried for. That's just a gift that the Lord has given me in that way. And, um, and so one of the things is, is uh, we all have loved ones with the Lord. And so in that sense, you know, we all have people living in heaven. So our mind goes there in that way. And at the same time, like for Paul, that wasn't what was driving his heavenly mindedness. For Paul, what was driving his heavenly mindedness was the realities that came with the Christ event. The Christ event being the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. And so, um, so the first class we looked at future heaven. So we looked at you know what what are um, what are the realities of heaven, the realities of the second coming of Christ, things of that nature. Because that's a part of heavenly mindedness, thinking about our life in the new heavens and the new earth, our life with Christ. Um, Y'all, please grab a seat. And there's a worksheet that um, that's not it. Sorry, we may have run out. Sorry about that. Um, oh, there's an extra. Great. But yeah, please grab a seat. Um, and so. Uh, so, so that was future heaven. So then, last week we talked about um, we talked about present heaven, and what we mean by that is for Paul, a big uh, a, a central part of his theology is that the coming of Jesus Christ signifies that the day of the Lord has occurred in a partial manner. The day of the Lord that's in the Old Testament when they would think about the second coming of Christ. 
The day of the Lord was their term for that. That was when God would come to earth, the Holy Spirit would be poured out, there'd be a resurrection of the dead, there would be a, a final judgment, and there would then be the age to come, which was heaven on earth. Okay? Belinda Carlisle, that's why our girl's getting so much love during this class, because she knows her Pauline theology. And so Paul interpreted the Christ event as the day of the Lord has happened because there's been a divine visitation. God came to the earth in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. There has been a final judgment. It was on Jesus on the cross. And there has been a resurrection of the dead in a partial sense because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. And our resurrection of the dead will happen at the second coming of Christ. But this is the first installment. So what Paul is saying is that the age we live in the age to come now. The age to come has begun. Uh, and so, uh, with that being said, but the present evil age, the fallen world, won't end until the second coming of Christ. So there's an overlap of the age to come, which is heaven on earth, and the present evil age, and we live in that now. And so today, oh, today's going to be awesome, because we're going to talk about, get excited, that's right, because we're going to look at how when you become a believer in Christ, you are transferred into the new heavenly age. You are transferred into the age to come, and you become a citizen of heaven. Heaven is more your home than the present evil age. Even though we live here, even though we still experience the evils and the pains of this world, even though we still have sinful flesh, we are more truly citizens of heaven than we are uh, citizens of this earth. And so that, that is the key thing that changes, changes our mindset, that gives us a heavenly mindedness. Okay, And so we're going to look at, the thing we're going to look at, this is a key concept, is crossing the threshold. Crossing the threshold. Because this is going to drive um, a lot of Paul's thinking. Let's think about different moments in life where you cross a threshold. All right? Like in one moment you were this, but after this one moment you cross a threshold and you're that. So you go to law school and you work and you work and you work and you finish your exams, and the minute your grades are put in, you are a law school graduate. Or you take the bar exam before you were not a. I don't think, Emily, before you take the bar exam, you're not, a le- you're not a lawyer. But after you take that bar exam, boom, you're a lawyer. What's another threshold? Anybody give me one? Anybody, uh, anybody give me a threshold? Marriage. Yes. Uh, marriage. You walk down the aisle, you're single. The priest says you know, that you're married, and you are married. You are one flesh. Boom. So we have all these different thresholds, right? And so what you're going to see here, a lot of what's going to govern Paul's thinking with regard to us being citizens of heaven is the crossing of thresholds. The crossing of thresholds. And so we are going to focus on Colossians 3, 1 through 4. This is going to be that. This is really, so the, the book that I'm working on related to this, this is the anchor text right here. Uh, all, all this stuff about heavenly mindedness comes in here. I'm going to warn you, this is going to be hard. This is some of the hardest biblical theology you can do, but we're going to try to keep it simple and concrete and clear. But if you're struggling a little bit, don't feel bad, because it's really, really hard. Alright, so, Colossians 3, 1-4. through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... 
then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, so our thesis statement is going to be the crossing of a a heavenly threshold leads to heavenly mindedness. The crossing of a heavenly threshold leads to heavenly mindedness. And we're going to look at how when you become a believer that you we're going to look at the different not just when you become a believer, but honestly, even back when Jesus was living and dying and rising for your sins, how in the past, the present and in the future there will be crossing of heavenly thresholds that kind of give the substance of our citizenship in heaven. All right, so first thing before we get into those thresholds I want to point out is what Paul is saying here in verses 1 and 2 about heavenly mindedness. He says, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. All right, so when he says seek things that are above, he's not saying like higher ideals, you know, things of that nature. He is talking about heaven. We see that because he says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The, uh, when he says seek, um, that, is, um, that is a present active imperative in Greek. What that means is it's not a one-time thing, but it's a, a continuous verb. In, in, in Greek, when you have a, a, an act, a present active uh, imperative, it's a command to something that is a habitual action. It's continuous. It's not so he's so that he's calling for this to be a way of life, a daily mindset to seek things that are above. Now he says in verse one, seek things that are above. In verse two, he says, set your mind on things that are above. And there, there actually is a little bit of a, of a distinction between those two. When he says seek, he is saying that in a a full human way, particularly your affections. Let your affections be set on heaven. Let your heart be set on heaven. Um, in terms of uh, understanding that that is where you're going to be satisfied. That's where you're going to be completely happy is on heaven. And so desire, savor, crave the happiness of heaven. Hugely helpful in terms of being able to be content in this life. I'm going to teach about that in a few weeks. But when he says seek, that is, that is cognitive or intellectual, but is also at the emotional level to set your heart on things above. Then he comes in verse 2 and he says, set your minds on things above. So he is saying there to literally think about heavenly realities. Think about what it will be like to see Jesus. Think about what it will be like to no longer sin. Think about what it will be like to no longer have the pains and the disappointments and the broken relationships and the despair of this life. So um, think about what it will be like to live in the new heavens and the new earth. All right, These are things that are comforting and good. That He is speaking there, again, another present active imperative, a continuous habitual action where we set our mind on things above. And so he's calling for heavenly mindedness. And here's the thing, like, if, if we just, like, that's all we said, hey guys, think about heaven, that's not going to be very sustainable. Because that's not, that's not really naturally um, what our mindset is, right? We, we tend to think about, like, what are we having for lunch today? <laughs> or how am I, you know, how am I going to get done what needs to get done before Monday morning? Um, how am I going to get my children in their, you know, into their seatbelts in the car when they're bucking and trying to resist? Right? We are thinking here and now, and so you notice that there is so much substance 
gospel and, uh, and spiritual substance around these imperatives. Because when we start to understand the spiritual realities of our salvation, then a heavenly mindedness starts to become a little more organic. Okay? And so that's what we're going to focus on is, is that uh, spiritual substance around, uh, around our salvation. And so the crossing of the thresholds, we're going to look at, we're going to focus on three clauses um, or verses in Colossians 3, 1 through 4 that point to the crossing of heavenly thresholds throughout our entire salvation, past, present, and future. And so past, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ. We'll talk about what that means, but he's talking about being unified with Christ in his ascension. Then he says, for you have died. This word die is, is, a, is language of the crossing of a threshold. Uh, you've gone from one to another. You have died from being alienated from Jesus, and now you are in union with Christ. That's a present crossing the threshold in your, in your salvation here and now. And then future, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Like you, when you die, you will cross a threshold and enter into heaven. So, with that being said, we're, gonna talk, we're, gonna, we're not going to really spend much time on future. Like we talked about that the first week. We all know that when we die, if we're in Christ, that we will be with God in heaven. We're going to cross that threshold clear. We're, we're going to check that box, boom. We're going to focus on past, and we're going to focus on um, present. And so past, if then you have been raised with Christ. So, first point here is we were unified with Christ in the Christ event. Get ready. This is hard, okay? And this is mysterious, and it's one of those things where we can say, you know what? God's Word clearly says that this is true. It's way beyond our human comprehension, but it's true, and we just have to recognize that we intellectually are not on the same plane as God, and we just have to accept that. And so, what you see in Paul is this language of union with Christ when he talks about the Christ event. Stephen, you and I talked about this going down to 8A one year, or a game. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good ride to Tuscaloosa. But anyhow, so basically what you see when, when Paul says with Christ, or in Christ, or through Christ, or with Him, in Him, or in the Lord, he is talking about being one with Jesus. That's, that's the language of union with Christ. He, he, has a, about, he has over 160 references to being unified with Jesus in his letters. And so what you see is as he identifies different moments in the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, he says that we were somehow spiritually unified with Jesus in those moments. Somehow, in a spiritual way, Jesus was carrying us through his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. It's one of those things where you kind of wonder, have you ever wondered, like, how is it that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago applies to me now? And this is part of how Paul explains it. He says that somehow you were uni- God deemed that you were unified with Jesus through his atoning life, death, resurrection, and ascension. All right? Don't understand it? Just know that it's true. And so, let's look at a couple of those references here in our worksheet. So first, you see in Galatians, he says, I have been 
crucified with Christ. He's saying when Jesus was crucified on the cross, that you were unified with him in that. That's part of how he purified you. It's part of how he cleansed you of your sins, is that you were unified with him on the cross. And then he says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's talking to about the present reality that we are now in union with Christ. Romans 6, 5-6, through 6, he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, so he's saying we were unified with Jesus when he died, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He's now pointing to, uh, well, he's talking about how we were unified with Christ in his resurrection, and we will be unified with Christ in the resurrection of the body. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. So when Jesus died, we were unified with Jesus in that death for our salvation. All right, number two. Um, oh, and we were also unified with Christ in his resurrection. So then here's the thing. This is, again, mind-blowing, is that we were unified with him in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension, okay? We look at Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 6. This is mind-boggling. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That, that term, made us alive together with Christ, you see that here, you also see that in Colossians. That, that signifies being unified with Christ in his resurrection. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, with him, unified, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so he is saying that when Jesus rose into heaven as like the final punctuation of the Christ event, that we were unified with him in some spiritual mysterious way, that, uh, that uh, we were unified with him in his ascension and are seated with him in the heavenly realms. Because you've got to think about it. Union with Christ is Christ is in me, and I am in Christ. It's, it's, it goes both ways. And so, in, even though we're here, like, we are here, right? We are not in any way, we're not in any, this, is, this is real, this is real, okay? This is not an illusion, this is real. And, simultaneously, it is real that we are in the heart of Christ now. And we were in the heart of Christ when he ascended into heaven. Anybody have any questions on this? Yeah. I'm glad because I probably wouldn't be able to answer them. Uh, because this is mysterious stuff, right? And this is, again, we got to remember, you know, uh, that if you, when, you take, when you take your uh, six-month-old to the doctor to get their vaccinations, um, you know, it's not going to be very helpful for you to be like, look, here's what's going on here. We are introducing pathogens, small portions of pathogens to your body. Your immune system is, you know, sending out antibodies to fight them. And that's what's going on here, you know, little six-month-old baby, right? Like that, Mar- Margo, that, it's not going to work with Margo, right? She's very bright, but that's not going to happen. Okay? And so you got to think about the discrepancy of knowledge between that baby, that six-month-old, you as, you as a parent, and then how about the doctor, right? The doctor knows, can talk about this at a whole big Okay, we're the six-month-old, and God is the doctor. The, 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 the discrepancy in like knowledge and understanding is much... I mean, that's, a, that's such a terrible analogy because 
God's brilliance is so much greater than ours. But just to say, just to give us a little comfort in how mysterious this is. So, um, with all that being said, uh, we we also we see here that um, this is part of why Paul is calling for a heavenly mindedness. He's saying like. You were with Christ all the way through to his ascension, and you are presently seated with him in the heavenly realms as a result of that union with Christ. And so it makes sense that if you're seated with him in the heavenly realms and you ascended with him, it makes sense that you would naturally have a heavenly mindset because that is a, that is a fabric of who you are and as a fabric of your spiritual location in the universe. Wow. Okay. As you were speaking yes. about the doctor and the baby, for me that gives me a lot of... Like, I take a deep breath. It doesn't make totally. it any less true just because I don't understand. And what you said at the beginning about how we, I think we all know that we, his blood and his death and his resurrection are linked to us. And all of this, it doesn't make it any less true if I don't understand this. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I don't understand how I'm here, and but how I'm in the heart of Jesus right now yeah. at the same time. But but through the Holy Spirit and through union with Christ, those are... Those are um, coexisting realities. All right, so next is present, um, a present crossing of a heavenly threshold. Things are about to get really fun here. All right, so in, uh, in verse 3 it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what is going on in that death is that we have crossed a threshold going from the present evil age and we are now located in the age to come. We are located in the new heavenly age. And you're going to see all kinds of references here that show this crossing of a threshold such that our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, Galatians 1, 3-4, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father. So we see one aspect of this is that through the cross and through faith and repentance, Jesus has delivered us out of the present evil age. We're no longer citizens there, but we are now citizens of the new creation or the kingdom of God or the age to come or the age of the spirit. These are all different paradigms, all different terms that Paul uses for, for the age to come or the new heavenly age. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So union with Christ, again, being one with Christ, says if anyone is in union with Christ, he or she is new creation. He's not saying that, I mean, part of it, it does trickle down to the individual level that we are new, but he's also talking about this at a big picture level of saying you are now a citizen of the new creation. The new creation, again, another Pauline term for the kingdom of God or the age to come or the new heavenly age. And so he's the old has gone. Like the present evil age, that is no longer where you live. That is no longer your true home. Your true home is now in the new creation. Um, Galatians 4, 3 through 5. In the same way, we also, when we were children were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, fullness of time had come, that being the Christ event, that, that being when Christ you know, lives and dies and, and rises from the dead, when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The word redeem in Greek has very much a crossing of a threshold connotation. So to be redeemed is to be taken from one spot to another. You were guilty, now you're innocent. You were in debt, now your debt is paid. You see it a lot of times in legal or in financial context. But here it's saying that you were redeemed. You were redeemed from death, from the present evil age, brought into the kingdom of God, the new heavenly age. All right, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So there are going to be certain attributes of this new heavenly age into which you, um, into which you have been transferred. One of those is, as, as we see in the previous verse, is that now part of the nature of our relationship to God in the new heavenly age is that we are sons and daughters of God. And in fact, Jesus says we are co-heirs with Christ. We have the same heavenly inheritance that Jesus has because we have received his righteousness through faith. And so part of, part of this is giving detail to the implications and the nature of our life as citizens of the new heavenly age. And part of that is we are adopted sons and daughters of God. So God the Father, creator of heaven and earth in the new heavenly age, relates to us like his own children, but not like sinful children, because our sins have been forgiven and we've received the righteousness of Jesus. He relates to us as a perfect child because the status that Jesus earned in his life as a resurrection has been assigned to us through faith and through imputation. And so, so think about that. Think about that in terms of the nature of your life in the new heavenly age. I have chills talking about this, but that God the Father relates to you as if you were a perfect child. Obviously, we sin. Obviously, he disciplines us and sanctifies us in those things. And in terms of the, his affection for you, his affection for you in the new heavenly age is that of a, of a parent who the pleasure that a parent gets with a perfect child. Wow. The pleasure, think about that, that God takes great pleasure and delight in you. Think about if you're a parent and you have children, think about the incredible pleasure you experience when your child is good. You know, and those are, those are snapshot moments. No, just kidding. But you know, when your child is, child is sweet or compassionate or respectful or obedient, there's just like a joy and a pleasure. Okay, God has a heightened sense of pleasure in you all the time like that through Christ. It's, it's because of Christ. It's not because of us. It's because of Christ. But that is how God relates to you in the new heavenly age. Okay, and so then here in 2 Corinthians 5... When he talks about, um, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, sorry, I've lost my my place on the page. I got so excited about that. I just got all excited. Oh, Second Corinthians one, it says he has given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Okay, that word guarantee is means a down payment. Okay, so a down payment is like. Uh, hey, this house is going to be yours, but you got, you know, you, but here's here's the I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give you all this money, but here's a down payment. Here's just a first installment. So he is saying the Holy Spirit is like a a down payment that God gives us for our full heavenly inheritance. 
So when you're in heaven, you will be in perfect communion with God. You will be completely unified, complete in complete communion with God. And he is saying that the Holy Spirit is like a foretaste of heaven. It's like, hey, the full entree, you're going to get that when you, uh, you know, when you pass through the heavenly gates and you see Christ face to face. But here is the appetizer. And the appetizer is that God is in you. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you here and now as an appetizer for the full entree. And that's significant when we talk about living into the joys of heaven here and now because we have the Holy Spirit. We have that first installment, that appetizer of the full fellowship that we'll enjoy in heaven with God. Questions at this point? I've thrown a lot of information out there. Any questions at this point? I mean, this stuff's easy. Everyone's getting there, right? I'm just kidding. Okay, good. Okay, we're doing good on time. All right, let's keep on going. Um, all right, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We're going to talk more about message of reconciliation uh, in another class because a lot of the uh, like uh, the way that this informs evangelism is you have been brought into the new heavenly age and now God has assigned you an ambassador of reconciliation to bring others into relationship with Christ that they can they can they can be citizens of the kingdom of God and we do that through the gospel but but we're going to get to that another time but reconciliation is another is more language of crossing a threshold you once were at odds with God but now there's been reconciliation where you're brought into oneness into a favorable relationship and status with him all right so then 2 Corinthians 6 16 through 17 what agreement, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will make my dwelling place among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this is referenced back to Ezekiel uh, 37, um, where God promises to dwell with us and to be in us. And so he is saying that we are the temple of God now. The very presence of God dwells in us. This is more language of union, more language of that communion that we'll enjoy in heaven. All right, Colossians 1, 13-14. I think this is one of the most clear verses of this, this transfer. He says, He, Jesus, has delivered us from... Actually, this is God the Father. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, present evil age, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, again, a crossing the threshold word, the forgiveness of sins. So the, the thing that enables or effectuates this transfer from the present evil age into the kingdom of God is the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins are what keep us out, and God's forgiveness of our sins through Christ is what opens the floodgate, opens the door for us to, to be transferred into. That's like our passport. It's like our passport into the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom of God, again, being the present uh, presence of heaven on earth. All right, so finally, this is, I think this is the most helpful verse to understanding a hard concept. It's an analogy that Paul uses, but it's very concrete. He says, For many of whom I have told you, 
Now I'll tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. I said this last week before saying again, that in Rome, citizenship worked like this. It didn't matter how far away you lived from the city of Rome. Paul lived hundreds of miles from Rome. Um, but he was a Roman citizen. And that means that you are considered a citizen of the city of Rome. It's like saying that you live in Camden, Alabama, in Wilcox County, but you're a citizen of Birmingham. So much so that when Paul was arrested, um, they were trying to try him in Jerusalem, Paul said, no way, Jose. I know I'm going to get a bad trial in Jerusalem. I am a Roman citizen. He says this four different times in the book of Acts. He appeals to that. And as a result of him being a citizen, a Roman citizen, even though he never lived in Rome, he had the right to be tried in Rome because in the Roman Empire, if you were a Roman citizen, that meant you were a citizen of the city of Rome. So he was transferred back to Rome where he was tried. All right, so he's saying our citizenship is in heaven. So we might live here on earth, but we're actually citizens of heaven. That's, that's where we belong. That's where, our, that's where our home is. And I think this is very helpful because when you think about Paul having never lived in Rome, but he's a citizen of Rome and has all the rights of, of Roman citizenship for that city, that's, we've never actually been to heaven. Um, and yet, that's our city. That's, where, that's our home. Um, and so, all right, so with that being said, to, okay, let's go to this last page, and I'm going to have to kind of rifle through this, but I think that point was clear, that basically a major part of having an eternal mindset and living with heavenly mindedness is that we, our, our true home, is in the kingdom of God, is in the kingdom of heaven. That's where we dwell. So as a result of that, it makes sense that that's where our mind would go. All right, so now, these last texts here are different verses where Paul, in different places throughout his letters, is talking about heavenly-mindedness as a discipline. And so, you know, we've already gone through Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and talked about that's both intellectual and emotional. And we, we saw this actually a second ago in Philippians 3. This is the same, the same text that's about, you know, our citizenship being in heaven. He says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, present evil age, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward, that upward is heavenly, call of God in Christ Jesus, union with Christ, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything and, and if and in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What we've attained is a, is a heavenly citizenship. So he is just talking about he is living a life that has a heavenly trajectory. You know, in terms of his endeavors, in terms of the um, the way he is contextualizing his life, he's thinking about things, he is living with a heavenly trajectory. And this is because he is a citizen of, of heaven. Um, 
2 uh, Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Please come sit down. You don't have to, you don't have to stand up. Um, uh, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we hold, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So, you know, sometimes when we talk about walking by faith, and Paul, I think, I think it's Romans chapter 5, talks about walking by faith. It's talking about walking in a manner where we're trusting in Jesus. That's, that's what it means, you know, in different, in different places. In this place, though, he is talking about walking by faith, believing in the heavenly realities that we presently dwell in. Notice how he says, um, this, this, 2 Corinthians uh, 4 into 5 is, is lots of heavenly content. Um, uh, this is where, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation is as well. But he says here that we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk, yes, we are encouraged, we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, speaking of heaven. And so when he's talking about walking by faith and not by sight here, he is talking about walking with a mindset of trusting and believing that we dwell within the kingdom of heaven. That's where we dwell. He's talking about living with a mindset where you, um, that were the, of knowing that these heavenly realities are true for your life here and now. Um, and so, finally, in First Thessalonians, uh, let me sorry, let me um, let me let me spend one more second on that one. So I, I, I just I'll tell you about how this this I'm not to get hyper spiritual here, but I'll tell you what this looks like for me. Like one of, in my daily prayers, I'll kind of ask the Lord, Lord, help me to to be heavenly minded, and I'll kind of remember like, hey, like I live, I live in the kingdom of heaven. The Lord Jesus is the king, the king, and I live under His lordship. The Holy Spirit is in me. I'm I'm unified with Christ. I have a union with Christ, a communion with God here and now that I'll have in heaven. And Lord, let me live into that. And so that, that would be an example of just in your prayers, how you might practically think about that. You're, you're having a tough time. You're in a season that's hard, and the only way out is through. Just to think, think about, like actually make a deliberate effort to think about, like, you know what? Paul says here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, that, where he is really struggling, that the sufferings of this life are light and momentary compared to the, 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 the glory that awaits us in heaven. And so that would be an example of heavenly mindedness. While you're struggling to be like, this is short. This is short. And this is not without hope. Like, yes, I, li- yes, I, still, I still live in the fallen world. And yet, I have been transferred into the kingdom of God. The, he- the kingdom of heaven. That is where I truly live. There is something very hopeful about that that gives us grace to make it through. All right. First, says last one. 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 5 through 7. For you yourselves are, you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul sometimes will refer to the second coming of Christ as the day of the Lord. Um, he also refers to the present, the, the age of that we live in now, or that Jesus is coming as the day of the Lord as well. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers. For that, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and let us keep sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we belong to the day, we belong to the present, uh, present heavenly uh, age, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So he, his admonition here is to think about, hey, if you're, you know, if you're sealed, if you're sealed for eternity, this life is short, and you know, the the day of the Lord could come for any one of us, like this week. Life is fragile, very, very fragile, and so he is saying, like, keep that in mind. Keep the, the short amount of time we have on this earth; it is finite, and so he is he is using this as an admonition to be wakeful, to be you know, to be wakeful, to be open to what the Lord is calling you to do, to be, to not to not be flippant with our lives. Um, yeah, to not be, yeah, not to be flippant with our lives, um, but to be purposeful and, and awake to what the Lord has. Um, yeah, so, to be alert. I'm going to stop there. Um, practical ways to be heavenly minded. Um, you can read those on your own. I'll, I'll read them really fast. When things seem overwhelming, consider the significance of the issue in internal terms. When you're anxious and afraid, envision seeing God's glory in heaven. And consider the issue in light of that. That's something I'll talk about a lot. Is if I can see, uh, if I can see Jesus, if I can see Jesus right now, like all the saints in heaven can see Jesus right now in heaven. Promise you, any problem that you're facing right now, not going to be that big a deal. Um, it's not. Gonna, I don't want to say that. That's that's an overstatement. You, we have greater hope and perspective on the challenges we're facing. Um, we, we are much more comforted if we could see God in His full glory. Consider the activity of heaven, praising, fellowshipping with God, and lean into and practice them here. So what we do in a worship service is just mimicking what is happening in heaven. That's, what it, that's the purpose of corporate worship on a Sunday. Not, it's not the only purpose, but a central purpose is for us to have a taste of fellowshipping with and praying and praising God as we will in heaven. Um, that's, that's a way to think about that. And if I consider the activities of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, like, because that will be physical. Like, our most eternal life, our, our the the longest realm of our life, will be in the new heavens and the earth, which is heaven on earth. Here, that will be a physical existence where we explore God's creation. We inherit that with Christ. And so, those are. I, I just did total injustice to all those, but I just bought those off as little bullet points. That's all I have. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say a quick prayer. I'm happy to answer questions. We have 15 minutes till the next service, and so. Um, not offended though, if you need to to, to scoot out, um, Jesus, we thank you so much for um, we thank you so much for where you've placed us, and pray God that you give us a heavenly mindset that's just consistent with the truth and the reality of our salvation. And we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you relate to us as adopted children of God here in the heavenly realm, and we thank you too, God, um, that. Uh, we are unified with you, that uh, we are one with you, and in that way we're never alone. Um, we have the intimacy and the fellowship um, of the living God, and that's better than, than any relationship we could ever have. And so, God, where we are lonely or disconnected, uh, please give us the joy and the pleasure of being unified with Christ. So I trust you these things. I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.